Hello everyone, I hope you're all doing very well. Time for a really exciting interview. We've got Red Star Simulations on today and these guys are making the MiG 17F aircraft for DCS World. Guys, we've got GVAD, hello. Hey, hey Cap, how are you guys doing? Yeah, okay, thank you. And Vincent. Hello everyone. Thank you very much for uh, for coming today. So, MiG 17, something that really excites me, this kind of period in history is what I'm all about in well, in terms of aviation anyway. Now, first of all, we should just, just get established where we stand with this. My understanding of the MiG-17 is that currently it's not an official module. You're making it at the moment, but you intend to get it sanctioned as an official module and released as an official module. Is that right? That's correct. Basically, when we started making the MiG-17F, from the very first thing we did, uh, we treated this as this is going to be an official module. So. All the paperwork was kept uh, um, for all the legal reasons that we may need. Every receipt, everything we bought for it was kept just in case uh, to make sure we can prove that this was all done uh, in the proper way. So, yeah, from the very beginning, this was meant as a official module. Okay, well, uh, ho hopefully that's where we're going to be because, I mean, we're, we're lucky in DCS. We're very well served for early Cold War Soviet MiGs. We've got the MiG-15 biz which is a brilliant ED module. Absolutely love that. We've got then skipped to the MiG-19P, which is still a work in progress, but it's good fun to fly. We've got the MiG-21 Biz, which is really well served uh, in the magnitude module. Then we've got MiG-29, um, and we're going to have a MiG-23, and hopefully we may get a MiG-25. So this is just filling another slot that needs filling, which is really great news. I'm, I'm chuffy doing this, guys. Now, we've got... Questions here, I will show on the screen. These are questions that you valued viewers have given to us. Now, that's always good and bad because some questions are excellent, some questions aren't so good, but we aim to serve you, the viewers, at the end of the day. So we're going to punch through these, these questions. Before we start, anything from you guys? Yeah, just introduce yourselves. Uh, uh, GVAD, I'm an actual pilot. I've been flying since 1995. Uh, I've been a part of the simulator world since uh, ACE back in the 1980s. So no. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, I've been around this long time. And, uh, yeah, this, and once I got into DCS, it was uh, just a uh, eye-opening, uh, especially with mm. uh, the flight dynamics. That That's what interests me. What, what pilot of? Just a private pilot. Yep. Uh, I started flying in 1995. I did fly for the Civil Air Patrol uh, for a few years. Uh, uh, they're a part of the auxiliary uh, uh, side of the United States Air Force. Uh, mostly search and rescue types, uh, but most uh, a lot of it is also cadet training, uh, bringing up young kids that might want to join the military, give them a first taste. We actually get them in the airplane. I, I let them fly for a while. I teach them how to fly. And, uh, Again, did that for several years, and uh, it was um, once I got a family, it became very hard <laughs> <laughs> with kids. But uh, yeah, I had to kind of let it go. But I, uh, but I miss it. Maybe I'll get into it once the kids are grown up back again. And uh, it, I, I really had time uh, fun in it. So awesome! Anything from Vincent? Yeah. So a little introduction. Um, I'm from Germany, as you can hear probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an aircraft mechanic. I did an apprenticeship in the German Air Force, so was lucky enough to work on a few military aircraft, helicopters, jet engines. Now I live in Switzerland and I'm doing uh, base maintenance on FA-18s. Oh, wow. So, uh, and my personal connection to this project is that one of my relatives, he flew MiG-17s in, uh, in the East German Air Force. So it's something really personal for me and uh, 
yeah, I'm also in charge or I'm helping uh, with some documentation and Thank you, Vincent. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think you've just answered the first question, guys, but, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So we're going to kick off now with the valued viewers questions. Why did you choose the MiG-17F? Okay, so um, we started this project. It was me uh, and uh, uh, another guy named Talo. He is actually another 25-year pilot, but he is a fighter pilot. He actually flew for an Air Force down in South America. He flew A4s. He flew Mirage 3s. And he's really into DCS and put his heart into it. And uh, uh, we got together and we decided to, hey, let's uh, let's make a, a, a module that's really focused on, on flight dynamics. That is a pilot. That's what you're looking for, really. When you get in there, you really want to uh, want it to act and want the airplane to fly like the real thing. Uh, and we kind of looked at it, and we're both old school. We like the first to third gen air, airplanes where you actually have to go in there and fly yep. it. And uh, looking at it, uh, the MiG-17 was available. Uh, and, and, and it was really kind of a tragedy in a way that MiG-17 wasn't made yet because MiG-15 is is the famous one. I mean, that's the first jet fighter for the F-86s. But the MiG-17 has a 25 or 30 year career of, of, of fighting. I mean, you're talking from like Southeast Asia, like the, excuse me, the Taiwan Straits uh, to the Vietnam. Uh, you also have the Middle East Wars, the Six Day War, Yom Kippur, the War of Attrition. They all use those, those MiGs. I mean, and with DCS now coming into uh, Vietnam and Syria uh, maps, that it can, it, can, it can really fit into this, uh, into DCS very nicely, uh, especially with its history. And um, basically, that's that's kind of uh, what we looked at. And the last thing was uh, we wanted to make something uh, that's simple, simpler, not something that has a lot of, uh, of uh, radars and, and all that stuff in it. And this just seems like a perfect choice for us to, to start with. So uh, it's uh, that's basically the, the reasons we chose the MiG-17, at least for our first mod. Roger, I mean, it's an incredibly handsome <laughs> aircraft. It really, if you do any anything like a job they've done on the MiG-15, I think this is going to be brilliant. I mean, don't get me wrong, this is not going to sell massive, you know, to all of the youngsters like the F-18 and stuff, but it's just, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing, guys. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Let's move on to question three, should we call it. If DCS releases this as an official module, how much do you think it will cost? So the cost bracket. Cost bracket. Well, I look at some of those mods that are $70. And by the way, I bought them all with the exception of two. Come uh, I have everything myself. So I'm one of those take my money guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, And I look at the $70 one, I, I just cringe. Uh, uh, this should be available to anybody that wants it. So it's not going to be something crazy. We're looking probably uh, uh, mid -range, not even $50 range, something yeah lower than that not fifteen dollars either but uh you know uh something that's affordable we, we don't want to break we don't want anybody to break their bank to buy just uh enjoy it basically well jump good okay guys next one bit of an odd question but interesting will mac tuck be modeled now maybe you can give us just a quick 30 seconds on what what mac tuck is uh, to the valued viewers yeah, uh, Mach Tuck is basically as as the airplane uh, starts going towards the max speed, uh, gets faster, the pressure point on the wings starts moving back. And with that, what happens is the pressure point moves 
to the back, the nose starts dipping. So you need more back pressure to keep that nose up. And that's what they call uh, the, the tuck. It's the nose starts going down. It happens in every airplane as they get closer to the Mach speed. Um, so yes, we, we will model this. Um, there is one thing I want to mention about the MiG-17 that we saw in some uh, manual that we read that uh, actually the nose at one point possibly dips up and we got to research that, make sure we get that correct. But there will definitely be that uh, the, the dip where the nose goes down. Roger, and this is particularly dangerous when you're flying low level. So it's low level, kind of transonic, isn't it? And and, and, and all of a sudden that nose will just head into the ground. Incredibly dangerous. Yeah, it would be. But uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess you can say the MiG-17 will not uh, reach anything close to Mach speeds uh, under 30,000 feet. So uh, even in the dive, even if you put in the dive, you'll... 40,000 feet, you put it down in a straight dive, it'll actually reach Mach 1.023, but then as it reaches 30,000 feet, the, uh, the density of the, of the air will actually slow it down, so it'll come back under Mach speed. So if you, it, it, this shouldn't happen at, uh, at uh, let's say, 2,000 feet, uh, it, so... Roger. Okay. Just a quick question for me, purely out of interest. Uh, the the rear horizontal stabs are these all moving, or are they, you know, partially moving? No, they they, ha they have the partial movement. They're they're not the, uh, uh, the the fully moving supersonic ones. Right. So are we going to run into the you know kind of compressibility that we'll run into with the MiG fifteen in tran in the transonic area where we start losing control of the aircraft. Actually, no. Uh, and, and, uh, the reason being the the reason they even made the MiG seventeen was they looked at the MiG fifteen and the problems it, it had with with speeds. Uh, like if you're dogfighting the MiG fifteen, all you really have to do is just go take a nosedive, and if right. he follows you, uh, he's going to lose control. Right. Yeah. So that was a problem, and uh, basically the Russians went back, or Soviets, excuse me, at that time went back and redesigned the wing, and they redesigned the tail to be able to actually handle those uh, uh, those close to supersonic speeds so it, it, it will uh, it will and from the we do have some contacts with pilots uh, of mix 17s they say no it's not a problem it's uh, pretty pretty safe to actually take it over Mach one so Roger. Yeah, there's no problems okay fascinating okay guys um, we are on question five now what software do you use to make the flight model when creating an external flight model. Yeah, that's uh, 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 we we are actually using C plus plus. We're going to mm -hmm. do it the the hard way. Uh, and the reason we can do this is because uh, we do have. I actually got a <laughs> CC program, a developer, a long time developer with a PhD in this in, in this. So Perfect. she actually she can take care of this. Now as we go forward and we. Uh, uh, make other modules we'll obviously get the sdk kit from the, from the ed and go go that route too but for this one we are going to use the c plus plus excellent okay i mean i guess one of the good things about that is you're going to get lots of control i mean i don't know how, how these things work i don't get to see this stuff but i'm, I'm guessing you're gonna get full control of the variables and stuff like that is that accurate to say? Uh, from, from what i'm hearing yes uh, i'm more of a uh uh, uh, flight dynamics kind of guy the, the nose the aviation side of it uh, that's why we got good developers mm -hmm. to handle that side mm -hmm. but uh, 
uh, from what I understand, it's it's a lot of programmable stuff in C++. So you, sh you should be able to get everything, including the uh, the Dutch roll. Uh, so when you get real slow and you get into that mm -hmm. uh, horizontal um, uh, scissors, uh, and you know you're barely at that stalling speed. Well, the actually the stability of the 17 is not that good, so it'll actually start waving the, the tail. But you know, and we got to program that in too, so mm -hmm. it should be. Uh, but I mean, again, we're focused on fly down. That's the number one thing that we're focused on, and we should be able to get it. So. Roger, very good. Uh, okay, navigation. Will this aircraft have ARK, ARC, and or RSBN for navigation? So we will have the RK5, like in the MiG-15. Yep. Um, there's no RSBN in uh, in the MiG-17. Uh, you will also have, it's pretty much the same like in the MiG-15, you will also have NDBs and the compass for navigation. So that's your main uh, navigation tools. Am I right to say that this aircraft was too early for RSBN? Uh, that's difficult, difficult to answer. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that because it was used, uh, it had a long service life and it could have been right. retrofitted most likely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, most na nations also uh, switched early to the MiG-21 once it became available. So I guess they didn't have the need to upgrade the MiG-17 with an RSBN. Roger. I mean, immediate follow-up question for that, Vincent, is why did the 17 have such a service life? I mean, we're in the air era of aircraft uh, that, you know, by because aviation was moving so quickly aerodynamically, well, and in all ways, but, you know, it, it's not unusual for an aircraft to have a five-year service life in, in, in the kind of 50s. Why did this aircraft last so long? Well, it was cheap, first of all, easy to maintain. It was rugged. Um, it was had really tough weapons. Um, turning capability was unmatched at its time. So until the F-16 came along. Uh, and like I said, it was cheap in operation. And that was especially like if you look at, for example, African nations, mm -hmm. um, it was a big factor for them to keep with uh, stick with the MiG-17. Okay, I guess we could apply a lot of that ethos to the MiG-21, which is, you know, well, what a yeah. service life that's had, guys. And I guess a <laughs> yeah. lot of the same things apply. Maybe not turning, but a lot of the same things apply. Interesting. I'm, I've just been. I'm just scrolling down images um, as, as we talk. Purely, just it's interesting. To look at them. I'm seeing a lot of pairings of the A4 Skyhawk and the MiG-17. Now, sorry about my complete noobness, but I am a massive noob. Is is there a pairing in history of these two fighting each other? Um, maybe Vietnam. Uh, uh, I, I mean, Vietnam is what we hear about is usually MiG-17s against the uh, uh, jumping the phantoms mm -hmm. or jumping the uh, 105s and I'm sure they jumped the A4s too when they could so yeah uh, I'm, I'm sure there is wow that what a I mean yeah I mean even the MiG-15 it's an absolute beast I mean in DCS at least and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's going to be pretty accurate it's an absolute beast even compared to a normal J if you get jumped by a MiG-15 in DCS and you're not ready for it and you're not ready to really go 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 uh, to out accelerate it I mean, it's amazingly kinematically impressive. 
Yeah. It, it, like I said, hey, if a, if a 15 jumps you, dive. Yeah. Was... <laughs> dive, get get to a supersonic speed, and let them lose control and get out of it. So. Yeah. Exactly. Would the same but, thing yeah, apply to the 17 then? Would the same, or, or yeah. by the sounds of things, no. The 17. No. No, the, the, the 17, um, if you, you're not going to outdive it, uh, but what you can what, what you can do with it as 17 is uh, even with the afterburner it has 0.63 uh, thrust to weight so the newer airplanes will usually have higher so you can uh, you can start doing the vertical gain one uh, uh, don't right. don't turn with it don't don't you know right. if you're going to turn with me 17 you're going to lose but so, if you start doing the vertical gain and they don't know how to counter you uh, you can you can beat them. So. I mean, it's the same with the fifteen. Even if I was in a modern, if I was in the modern jet, I wouldn't want to turn with the fifteen. It's a real beast once it gets going. Um, yeah. Okay, guys, lovely. Uh, let's move on. Question seven, as I've got it labelled here. Can you please point out what is the difference between the fifteen and the seventeen? We've talked about that, but maybe there's going to be other things. And is the same airframe and uh, new engine a cockpit inside it, or is it historically more? deep improved version of the 15 now a lot of our guys aren't native english speakers so we just have to kind of translate as we go but we're looking uh, answers to that please okay so uh, the engine is actually the same uh they both both use the vk dash uh, one f engine so it is actually the same engine that the 17 has as the 15. the only thing that they did with the 17 that's different is they actually added the afterburner into it um that gives you a little bit extra power but uh but it's also heavier, so um, there's some advantage, some disadvantage. If you're not using the afterburner, you're actually doing a lot worse than uh, not a lot worse. But you're doing worse than the MiG-15. Uh, but you always have that afterburner advantage. The the biggest advantage is two things. One is the uh, the aerodynamics, where uh, the 17 does not have the high speed flaws of the 15, and you can actually um, go close to supersonic. And um, the, another part about the 17 is that uh, late, uh, the, the Soviets actually had an upgrade to it called the AS version that put our, uh, R3S missiles on it. It was the option that nations could buy. And we'll talk more about this about what, when we get to weapons. So it will actually have air-to-air -air missiles. Uh, not many people bought that. Not many nations bought that option because, again, like Vincent said earlier, the MiG-19 became available, MiG-21 became available, so nobody went back to retrofit it, except Cuba, I believe, was the only place that did. But uh, we we are going to add the air-to-air -air missiles, so that will be an advantage that uh, uh, the MiG-17 will also have over the 15, in, in DCS at least. So. Roger, yeah, cool. Okay, guys, um, so am oh, I... Mm -hmm. Just one more thing. It, we will also have the... Uh, the, the ASP 4N gun sight, so you will actually have a radar ranging sight that was available later in the MiG-17s. Ah. It didn't initially come with it, so it will be uh, very similar to the MiG-19, where it actually tracks it and it'll tell you where, where the rounds are going. So, That's interesting. Would that be useful uh, against, a, against a maneuvering fighter, or is that really more suited for uh, non-maneuvering targets like bombers? Uh, I, I know that that's dogfighting for, for bombers. Really? You want to keep this straight, I think. Um, or at least I do. The um, um, the, the um, that side is more for for dogfighting, because uh, then you can kind of range it, see where it goes, mm -hmm. and you, you'll see a flaw with it with a mix seventeen. 
and why the MiG-19 hood became bigger, I, that pickle will yep. probably uh, move out of the out of the glass sight a lot, out of the hoods uh, mm. when you're dogfighting. But, but mm. yeah, that's uh, we'll have it at least, so that'll be a, a, an option. Okay, very good. Um, and so, so just to confirm, the engine is this is a modification of the one from the 15 which so that came from the rolls so it's the rolls royce neen i think this with the centrifugal compressor that went to the 15 then that went to the 17 with added afterburner and modifications now, I, I, vincent can probably know this better but i believe there was a vk1a version first and i think the upgraded version was vk1f and that was also available in the 15 so i think uh, uh, 15 came with two different engines oh, really? but uh, so, the, from what, uh, yeah, my sources say that, uh, or my knowledge um, is that, like you said before, uh, the Brits gave the the Soviets the Neen engine, and the Russians then uh, made the VK1A out of it, which doesn't have the afterburner, and this was used obviously in the MiG-15. And when they were developing the MiG-17, they also wanted to have increased thrust for the engine. So they came up with uh, designing an afterburner, which at the time was the MiG-17 was the uh, first airplane in the world to feature an afterburner, wow. in fact. And uh, this is the VK-1F. The early MiG-17s had the A as well without afterburner. But the F, which we are doing, will feature the afterburner. Brilliant. Okay, okay guys. Excellent. Right, uh, let's carry on. So, question 8 is I've got to hear. The MiG-17 was able to handle much better than the 15 at near supersonic speeds, as we've talked about. Is this going to be the case with the new module, as well as the what visual indications do you receive when approaching the sound barrier? That's interesting. Yeah, actually, that's a very uh, good question. Somebody noticed that, and I'll, I'll let you guys know. Uh, basically, yes, uh, we spoke about it will handle better when it gets supersonic speed. Now, there's two things uh, you're looking for when you're approaching Mach speeds. Um, the one thing is you're actually looking at the airspeed indicator, and when it passes the Mach, it actually jumps. So there's a little jump on it, and that gives you a visual cue that you've now gone supersonic because you're not going to see it. And, feel any difference or hear it in the cockpit. The second thing to look for is the altimeter. So what happens is as you get close to the supersonic speeds, um, because the way the pitot tube is made, it's got an intake and then it's got a static port, um, the, the, the pressure wave moves back towards the static port and, it, and uh, uh, decreases the pressure, believe it or not. And, and as it decreases the pressure, the altimeter will note, note a about 800-foot jump in the altitude. So it will go really quick. I mean, you're going level, straight and level, but then the altimeter will just kind of go up by 800 feet. And then as you pass the, MiG, the Mach 1, that pressure point now is behind the static, and the pressure increases, so that actually drops 1,300 feet. So there's an 800-foot increase and then 1,300 feet dec decrease before it stabilizes again. So altimeter is a good in indication of uh, when you also pass through, uh, uh, pass the speed of sound. 
Roger. And this is evident in other, obviously in real life, but uh, in other DTS aircraft as well, if you take a um, F-14, uh, relatively modern aircraft like an F-16, up to the sound barrier, you can see the altimeter jump, which is really interesting, isn't it? <laughs> just, yeah. Okay, guys. Very good. Um, anything else on that before we move on to the next one? No, I think that's all for the... Um that question, I think. Yeah. Okay, I think we'll cover this, but let's read it anyway. What engine will you be using on the module, and what is the power to rate ratio, power to weight ratio compared to the 15? Is the burner effective in providing extra thrust in low energy situations like tight turn and okay. climbing steep? Okay, so yeah, the, uh, let's go over some numbers. Uh, MiG 15 uh, basically has a thrust to weight ratio of 0.5. Uh, when you put that same engine on the MiG-17, without the afterburner, you drop to actually 0.5. So you lose something. You're not going to climb as, as good as the MiG-15. But once the afterburner is engaged, you actually go, go to 0.63. So almost 10% uh, more, 9% more uh, uh, thrust to weight. Yep, for, so we're uh, really going to notice that in a climb or a turn then, aren't we? Yes, but uh, there's some things I want to talk about the engine just because I think people are going to find this interesting and I want them to be aware of this. Uh, this was the first afterburner engine and Soviets were, uh, uh, they were very touchy about it. So basically the recommendation was do not have it on for more than three minutes uh, if you're under, uh, uh, I believe, 20,000 feet. So three minutes, bring it back. Or if you're above twenty thousand feet, five minutes. So, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna program that into the into the uh, into the engine. So, at what happens is if you have it for more than five minutes at above twenty thousand feet, um, the first thing that happens is actually you're gonna start losing power. Uh, you're not gonna have the power that as the engine starts breaking down, you're gonna start losing power if you don't decrease it. And um, eventually, if you keep it on, it'll uh, it'll break the engine. So um, that's something that kind of want to give everybody a heads up. It's going to be real, so be careful how you use that that afterburner. Uh, and, 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 the second, and the second thing is the Russians also, oh, Soviets, excuse me, recommended that at full military power, you only go for 10 minutes, uh, and then you bring it back. As a matter of fact, for, uh, for training flights, uh, they didn't want anybody to take it over... Uh, 10,500 RPMs, I believe. And and that was uh, almost like 91% like, like of the engine, basically. So they, they were very careful with uh, how they used that engine. So What were the real-life reasons for this? Were you overheating some metals, or what was... Do we know what was going on? Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, uh, It was probably quality of the metals, uh, biggest thing, uh, but it was overheating. Basically, the the MiG-17 does have the moving nozzles, um, so as the afterburner engages, the nozzles will automatically open up. There's also a in cockpit option to open them up if you see the engine overheating for some reason. You can open them up; that should cool it down a little bit. But basically, um, the indicator in the cockpit that you should probably back off on the afterburner is if it reaches 770 degrees Celsius. Uh, that's uh, after that, it starts breaking down. Under that, it, it's okay. Tech, uh, ideally, you want to have it no higher than 690. 710 acceptable. 
it will take it up to 770 but uh after that it will start breaking down yeah so. i mean a lot of this is being added into uh dcs at the moment engine durability um usually in annoying circumstances where we aren't told it's added in like for instance the f86 saber back in the day we could um you know o- over a year ago or so we could just f- keep it f- pinned flat out mill power for a as long as we wanted the whole mission if we wanted then we'd have no problems and a few months ago as far as i can see they've changed it so that you get the effects of that heat on the engine and if you keep it pinned in full power now then the engine will melt <laughs> yep. it's very frustrating for, for when we when you don't research the thresholds and yeah it's a, it's a heads up I'll let, I, yeah. anybody that watches this you'll know about this so don't break the engine Right. Okay. That's another one we've got to learn. Lovely. Okay. I just I've just started doing it. I mean, you can't learn all forty-two aircrafts thresholds. So what I've just started doing is, at any possible time, and this is the same to apply as in a warbird. I mean, use full power when you've got to use full power. But at any possible moment when you don't need full power, just you know, put it back to half power or something. And that genuine, generally speaking, seems to start saving the engine. But yeah, you should really know your limits, like like you were saying, the proper limits. Uh, uh, Around 10,000, 10,500 RPM should be okay for the 17 to fly without any issues mm-hmm. forever, as long as it got fuel. So, okay, uh, right, where are we next? Question 10 What will be the endurance of the aircraft with afterburner on? Is it true that it reduced the combat range a lot after being introduced? So, of course, as you turn your afterburner on, you get a horrendous fuel consumption are we going to see that in this aircraft actually let me answer uh, i'll answer that but my apologies this is on me cap i didn't answer the second part of the other question sorry go ahead yeah how is it going to handle it high angles of attack uh basically if you are at under 300 kilometers per hour and you're at the high angle of attack you can have that full afterburner in if you don't lower that nose you're not going to get any altitude or any airspeed increase Uh, so it's great for uh, if you're doing uh, horizontal scissors uh, to maintain, uh, as long as you're above 250. But actually, as low as 220, you can go if you're good without stalling it. But uh, the the the, the um, basically, you're going to have to lower the nose uh, and and pick up speed. As a matter of fact, uh, the Soviets said, "Do not at 300. You can fly this aircraft without any problems. Uh, there's plenty of rudder control." But if you uh, really, you shouldn't go under 450 kilometers per hour uh, unless you really have to or are landing. So that's kind of the cutoff speed that you want to keep it at. Because otherwise it, it does suffer in, in performance. So. Roger. Um, regards to the intake, uh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, uh, I was going to go to the endurance, but uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to quickly, we were talking about high angles of high angles of attack there, and so the the follow up question there is going to be: How does the intake system handle high angles of attack? Are we likely to see engines stalls and sputters, or is it not a problem in the seventeen, as far as we're aware? Not that I'm aware. I think uh, 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 Vincent can. Do we know anything about that? Uh, have you come? Vincent is our research guy too. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying uh, said he's so valuable to us. So, um, if we come across anything, we'll, we'll do more research on it. But to my knowledge, at least, I'm not aware of that. But um, yeah, I can confirm that. Uh, I will. I have some good uh, sources. I can. I will ask them. Uh, 
and which is the case for a whole development process. So okay. it, it's continuous research and yeah, we will definitely look into that. What you guys? Yeah. yeah. The bigger problem with angle, high angle of attack for the MiG-17 is because it's a T-tail sort of, uh, at that high angle of attack as that uh, air, airflow comes over the wings and gets disturbed, it hits the, uh, the elevator. And the it, it can cause some performance issues because of the disturbed air on the elevator. So um, I, I think that's uh, something we're also looking into how much disturbance we can take and, and, and that kind of stuff. So we're really paying attention close to, to uh, some of these things that uh, so we didn't even think about until uh, a few months ago. Hey, you know, what, what happens to a T-tail in a high angle attack, right? Mm -hmm. So. Okay, guys. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and sorry, I interrupted you. We're talking about the fuel endurance with the afterburner on. Oh, afterburner on. Yeah, if you basically, if you could do it without melting it uh, at at sea level, you put the afterburner on. Twenty one minutes. Uh, that's that's all you have. Uh, uh, if you keep it at three hundred kilometers per hour, no matter what altitude, uh, basically without fuel tanks, uh, it goes anywhere from. Uh, one hour forty eight minutes to one hour fifty five minutes endurance. Okay. That's three hundred. And if you add fuel tanks, it goes to like uh, two hours and forty minutes. But this is very low power settings. I mean, three hundred is not that much. Yeah. So, so it it will it will about for usual mission with tanks, you're probably going to keep it uh, uh, for an hour. But then again, you got to think about the way they did it in Vietnam was they would have the tanks, they would jump somebody. Do that one pass or two passes, and then bug out because it, yeah, it it uh, once you start putting in the afterburner and power, it's, uh, without the fuel tanks, it will eat it up pretty quick. Right. Okay. Okay, guys. Uh, on to guns. What guns will the module have, and are they the same velocity and round counter as the Mig fifteen? Yeah, it's the same exact ones. It's the uh, twenty three two twenty three millimeter. Uh, cannons in the 137 millimeters, same amount, 80 and 80 for the uh, 23 millimeters, and uh, uh, 40 for the for the big cannon, the 37 millimeters. So, it's, I mean, uh, brilliant cannons. So, would you agree with me that they were more designed for taking down bombers, those cannons, or is that wrong? Yeah, yeah. Actually, as a matter of fact, the 17, when they started designing it, the, the first intent. Uh, with the improvements on the MiG-15 was to actually be a bomber interceptor. Uh, it, uh, that's why they, they needed to improve the speed on it too. But that never turned out to be. They never intercepted the bombers, mm. partly because soon after, uh, faster planes came out. I mean, we went to supersonic planes from well, uh, MiG-19, and then you got MiG-21 that went like, what is it, MiG-2 almost? So, mm -hmm. yeah, that uh, it never filled up that role of a... Of, uh, interceptor. Oh, but, yeah, that's why the gun was there. They needed it for to take out the, the big bombers, and it does. One hit it will take off the wing. Because what we've always found is, anecdotally at least, that the in the saber having those, I think the M three half inch machine guns, brilliant for air to air. I mean, not hard hitting, but you know, uh, not really accurate is the right word, but just good for air to air, good velocity and stuff like that. Whereas these in the MiG fifteen. Uh, 23s and 37s are horrendous for, sorry, um, I didn't mean to say air to air, I meant to say uh, uh, for a dogfight, for a fighter. 
but these heavy cannons, relatively lower velocity, are a nightmare to use in you know a, 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 a deflection shooting for for with fighters. Uh, great for bombers because just like you said, even a big bomber, if you land a tennis ball on it, it just knocks the wing off. But yeah, um, yeah but um, and then, again, unless you're a really good pilot, which I'm not, obviously, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, all, all you need is a, a, a one hit, basically. I mean, mm -hmm. if you if you look at the way the Americans went with a F-16 and F-18 when they put in the, the, the Vulcan, which was basically a, a whole burst of bullets, and uh, if any 15 hits you, you're, you're gone. Mm -hmm. uh, with a mix of uh, 15 and 17, and even 19 is different. They, they Russians went for, for size rather than mm -hmm. quantity. Mm -hmm. So it works both ways, so. I actually, I did, yeah. an, I did an experiment once, uh, purely out of interest, firing all cannons at the same time on a target. We 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 put them up against some bombers in scientific situation. Uh, we're just holding the cannon where every bullet hits, basically in a in a very scientific way. We found that the saber and the MiG-15, and by the sounds of things, the MiG-17 had exactly the same amount of lead fired or land on the target um, by the end of of the burst. So although the half inch in the saber carries loads more bullets the amount of lead that actually hits that target is the same in the end which i found quite interesting but you took your time to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah we're pretty nerdy here boys we're pretty nerdy you found the right you found the right guys um, uh, yeah, right in there yeah um where do you guys anyway let's push on guys uh so that was the cannons next i'm on 12 here how did you manage to pick up the MiG-17 and did you have enough data and access to actual airframes to work with at the time? So have you actually been poking around real-life MiG-17s? Um, well, uh, 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 he can, uh, Arno, um, Vincent can answer the question with the data where we're getting it from, but I got uh, uh, at least two or three MiG-17s Five and 10, 15 miles from my house. <laughs> I go see him every weekend. Uh, one is at the Plains of Fame, one is down at March Air Force Base, the museum they have. And uh, they actually let me uh, crawl into the uh, into the exhaust. Uh, wow. So we were measuring how, how far inside the the uh, turbine was, excuse me, the afterburner part was. Mm. Uh, we needed, I actually went in there and they opened it up on it. So it was nice. It was, uh, so I, I do, we do have access at least I do, to, to actual MiG-17s. And I think our, uh, Vincent, uh, I keep calling him Arno because that's his name <laughs> over here, but Vincent has uh, a lot of access to data. And Vincent, you can talk about your access. That's uh, Yeah, regarding, uh, regarding data, um, we are in contact with a German museum, which has uh, several MiG-17s on display. They also have, because they restored one, they have lots of documentation on it. Um, also, I know a few former East German pilots who flew the MiG-17 in their military service. Um, also a mechanic, and we are also in contact with uh, three American MiG-17 pilots who fly them on air shows. So we've got a, a few subject to matter experts who help us getting this uh, module as real as possible. Oh, and we, we actually have a, 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 one of the guys that's going to test it for us uh, in DCS. Uh, he's a MiG-17 pilot, so wow. he, will, he will test it for us uh, to make sure that we got everything 
correct. Talo, like I said, he he is a, a fighter pilot, so he kind of knows this stuff. But then again, you gotta get an actual guy that yeah. flew it, to make sure it's, it's correct. Yeah. We have that. Too. Yeah, it sounds like you're a bit spoiled for choice. <laughs> <Which is nice. laughs> I mean, that begs the question. Then I think I'm right in saying a lot of these 17s were made, weren't they? Have you got any oh. numbers of how many were made? I'm just searching myself. I haven't found it yet. Oh, I, I just uh it depends if you just want the russian numbers or also the because they were uh licensed manufactured right. in, for example poland oh. china uh i oh i don't have a uh number here on right now okay i'm just, I'm but just... it's in the in the i think high uh five count numbers oh, oh. i it's it. 10,700 about, yeah, including wow. all the uh, the other variants. countries. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of planes. That's a lot more than F-22s. <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to see there's still a lot out there, which is great. Um, okay, guys, uh, let us push on. What makes a module qualify as an official one in ED's view? Is it having a clickable cockpit, an interaction, or is there a lot more behind it? Um, obviously, you need to you need to have the cockpit there. Uh, you need to have a cockpit, the switches, uh, the, the the systems correct, like the MiG nine hundred fifteen does. Basically, every switch is is uh, workable in that cockpit, and that's what we're going for. But uh, what what we're really focusing on, aside from the eye candy stuff, is really the flight dynamics. We've got to get that that right. When you get in there, just feel like it's 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 the it's the real thing. Uh, uh, again, a cockpit is going to be custom made for us. It's clickable. I believe we have some. Uh, um, yeah, just going through it now. Model. Yeah. Uh, we can show parts of it. Uh, hopefully, it'll be done within uh, next month, month and a half, and we can start using that and uh, show the inside of the cockpit rather than just the outside uh, that we can't show right now. But uh, we also have uh, other goodies. For example, uh, uh, we have movable nozzles. Uh, uh, the wings will flex under high Gs. Uh, so. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's a big one. That's confirmed. It actually happens because the the wing is thinner than on the, on the 15. The 17 does actually flex up. The external tanks will shake uh, when you're under high Gs. That's also true. Um, and uh, 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 the the wings will vibrate. Like for example, when you're taxiing, you'll see them kind of mm -hmm. do the little, little little dance. And there'll be some other stuff we're we're, we're putting in, like just for. Um, for those that are, um, when you're dogfighting, you're not going to notice anything. But when you're making videos and posting this stuff, it, mm. this is the kind of stuff that a lot of DCS guys who post stuff want to see. Yep. So we'll, we'll have a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, and just just uh, general information, if anyone else is out there wondering how you make an official module, there is actually, it's, it's all open data in that, the things you need to have to make an official paid module are explained from the official ED website. And if I will try and remember to put a proper link uh, to that section in this video description, you need like a certain team, you need this and that, and it explains what you need. Okay, guys, uh, very good. On next question, if your team is big enough and with enough resources to push on with other DCS projects after the MiG-17 is released, or is it depending on the success of this release? So I think he's saying 
Uh, is it you just focus on the 17, or if the 17 goes well, do you have other ideas? Well, well, uh, um, the way we started this uh, Red Star Simulations was that uh, this we have an idea of w wanting to do multiple planes, uh, not just one, because uh, you know there's some planes that are really missing out of the out of the DCS, and everybody would like to see them. So, uh, is it dependent on uh, whether it's successful or not? Um, I think if we get it out and we make it an official model, and we're hope the chances are pretty good that we will, um, then the likelihood of making a, of us making other ones is very high. If it doesn't work out for whatever reason, uh, we'll may have to regroup and see what else we can do, whether it improve the 17 so we can get it out or uh, move on to the next uh, another project because it, it is taking a lot of time for, for a lot of us. Um, I've had like three and a half hours of sleep average mm -hmm. for the last <laughs> but uh, it's fun it's also fun to see your creation go up there and, and, and do that but no it's a dependent somewhat but uh, uh, if, if for whatever reason it doesn't happen uh, we'll reassess at that point and, and, and see what we can do Roger, guys. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, let's push on. Uh, what is your opinion on how can the jet modules be closer to the real-life jet? Uh, are there okay. ways to improve visuals and feel what needs to be done to get there? Uh, there's two things. Uh, I, I'm coming from the actual aviation side, so when I fly, there's a couple of things I want to uh, note. One is something uh, uh, DCS pilots can do. Uh, this is, uh, I recommend this if you can, I, I know not everybody can, but, uh, get a VR, get a good VR, uh, because I remember putting my first VR, when I mm -hmm. first flew, I flew the F-15, uh, I did a dogfight, that was my first VR experience with a SU-33, and I went to turn, uh, kind of following him down, and I literally stopped the plane and jerked it back, because <laughs> it, it freaked me out, it was, it was that real of an experience, that was that much of a difference. So VR is a big thing. Um, the other thing is actually something that developers can do, and that is sound. Uh, one thing that is lacking in, uh, in DCS, um, in, in any simulator, is the sensations you get when you're flying, uh, the bumps and all that. And the way that you compensate for that stuff is actually sound. Uh, it, it may have to be exaggerated a little bit, may have to shake a little more but you put in a good sound there uh and it will trigger something in your brain and make you feel like you're more a part of the of the, of the game even if you're not actually feeling the g's the brain can be fooled into um into make believe that it's a part of you're actually flying so um i've had that experience with the vr and some good sounds uh, i know the a4 guys they put in a lot of extra sounds in there uh, that some sounds that are a little bit more than they should be, but they work well with the uh, with the experience because you you know feel that shake, you hear that sound of the shake. It, it makes you more a part of that uh, of that experience. So basically, VR is one side and sound is the other side. I think uh, as far as visual, I think we're getting pretty good visuals now too. I mean, uh, it's, it it is going to get better, but uh, uh, how much more better can it be? I mean. Uh, the, the already the pixelation is better than some of our eyes see anyway. So, uh, but the the big part is sound. 
Roger, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I've been going on at ED for, for many years now for exactly this. Um, now, purely out of interest, uh, I don't know if you guys can see my screen, but if not, I suppose it doesn't really matter. But I went to have my first DCS VR experience yesterday. I'm just looking at a picture of myself uh, now at this uh, company I went to see. It's VR. Uh, as well as that, um, the seat you are in vibrates. As well as that, the seat that you are in moves around. So the aeroplane turns left your whole seat twists left and I've never seen anything like it. I mean just the VR was crazy enough to interact with the cockpit in 3D I never realized how different it could be to a 2D screen I always thought yeah maybe it makes a bit of difference maybe it is unbelievable and there is no way unless you go and try it there is no way of describing the difference um, no. you just can't and and it's one sad thing we, we've got here I mean this doesn't affect you guys at all but one sad thing for me is that even if I had a full VR setup and I could experience it I've got no way of conveying that to my viewers you know who, who have to watch everything on a 2D screen it's so frustrating but for the guys who are doing the VR out there I can completely see why it really is night and day to um, uh, to just a normal monitor, even if you've got a really good monitor setup. But what you were saying about sound and uh, and and vibration, especially this, this had full vibration. So every time the aircraft did something, I was getting the whole seat would shake in tune, not just stupidly like an arcade machine, but properly set up. And it was, um, I don't know, uh, I've got a video coming up on it, and it, it's, it's bloody terrifying. I actually thought I was falling out of the aeroplane at one point. Is, um, it just shows what yeah, you know, and, and how how you said it falls the brain. It really does. The seat only moves about fifteen degrees off off, but it feels like you're tipped upside down and you're about to fall out of the plane. Um, and it goes right into the ethos of what you guys are saying about how it, how you need to use the tools we've got to yeah. fool the guy into thinking, oh, I'm really pulling G's and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if you ever get a VR, uh, take a helicopter and. Take your rotors out on the high building and see yourself fall down. I do, I do, I see what it's all about, guys. Um, anyway, yeah, great answer, top answer. Uh, let's move on to my favorite bit the bang bang. What air to ground and air to air munitions will be available? Okay, so uh, one thing about the MiG-17, it had a long career, and uh, again, it started off with basically the cannons and some rockets and bombs, um, and it got added on as it went. Basically, the Soviets, I uh, mentioned this before, they, they had the MiG-17 after they converted into the AS version, which had air-to-air -air missiles. Uh, the PF came on later, uh, or uh, before that, actually, excuse me, and had some ra early radar missiles. They were, I don't know how effective they were, but the um, the 17 uh, AS was actually the MiG-17F with the uh, with the option to have air-to-air -air missiles. So, uh, in addition to the two guns, uh, to, uh, excuse me, three cannons, the air-to-air -air missiles are going to be R-R3S uh, AA missiles. And and we've uh, built our own missile for this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it's uh, just because we could <laughs> we kind of liked it and we could have used the one that was over there but uh it, it's uh why not we build, build everything else so the um as far as air to ground uh it will have the ub57-16 uh rocket pod this is the the stubby low one um that's not in dcs right now we built that one too and it will actually use the s5 rockets that are available and we are using those in in the uh, 
for for our uh, Mix 17. We'll also be able to use the, uh, I believe, 100 and 250 kilo bombs. And uh, we'll also, uh, later on, there was uh, some cluster bombs that were, that were added. Uh, that we're going to add those to. Uh, what, what are they? Are the OTRs? Uh, oh, I'm so, good with, so bad with names. But basically, the cluster bomb that the MiG-21 has was used on, on the MiG-17. So we'll have those too. Roger, guys. Um, back to that missile. Sorry, you said the name of the missile. It's a R three R dash three S. It's an infrared uh, missile. It's the one that uh, actually the way the Russians got it was interesting because uh, I believe an F four shot a missile a Sidewinder into a MiG seventeen right. and the missile didn't blow up. It got stuck. Yeah. And when they landed, <laughs> they actually took the missile out and shipped yeah. it off the Soviet Union, and that's how they built their. Uh, R3S missiles. Well, that's, that's brilliant. And it ties in. We've actually done that exact mission. We've done the, sorry, uh, the I think it was the second Taiwan Strait Crisis. Um, yeah. And they were using, I think they called them the Gar 8s or the Side Wonder Bs. I forget exactly what yeah. they were called back then. And exactly right, they were horrendously bad missiles. And like you like you said, some of the fusing wouldn't work and, and, and one would get stuck in an aeroplane. And and amazing and then reverse engineer it and here you go you've got this this missile um uh, just just ask one question you may not know this but i've just in the background been looking at you know old cockpit pictures of mig 17s and one of them has um a mig 19-esque looking radar scope um which led me to think maybe it would have a radar guided missiles on it uh, have you ever seen the pictures of the mig 17 with the radar scope yeah that's pf right yeah, that's the PF, uh, but the PF didn't carry any air-to-air -air missiles. It was just guns, and they also, to compensate the increased weight, they removed the 37-millimeter cannon. Oh, um, the PFU, uh, that's the one, with, uh, it has an RP-5 radar, like the PF, but you can carry the RS-2. A, a radar guided missile it's the same you can use on the mig-21 as right. well and they were just four bombers uh pretty much ineffective against fighters yeah 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 you can do a search for k5 missile i believe and mm -hmm. you see how ugly that thing is <laughs> it looks like a bomb more than a missile oh i know what you're gonna say it's that big fat thing isn't it but a grom looking yeah. thing yeah. yeah, that's a funny old thing, isn't it? <laughs> that definitely wasn't reverse engineered. That's Russian all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's missiles. They look they look so amazing, but they're so terrible. <laughs> Actually, try and try and use them in DCS. God, hit something with it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, guys, let's push on. Uh, right. What is your favorite module? Okay, your favorite module that exists in DCS. No mods, actual modules, and why? Um. Okay, for me, for myself, it's believe it or not, it's actually the uh, F sixteen and uh, F five. I kind of both of them. Mm. And the reason I like them because they are. You th you hear of F sixteen and it, it, you think that it's this great dogfighter, and it is, but within like a very small range. So you basically, mm. have you have to be between like the four hundred and thirty and the four hundred and seventy knots, mm -hmm. and in that range, it's unbeatable. I mean, it will literally beat anything in that two turn, a two circle fight. Uh, if you fall under 420, you're dead. Uh, if you go over, you can maybe escape. But just because it's that small range, that, that, I find that fascinating. Just you have to be so precise. 
And the F5, I like it because it's uh, uh, it's very specialized in a way, too. I mean, it was used in Top Gun. Think about this. It was used in Top Gun. And why did they use the F5 in Top Gun? Well, it's basically a one-circle fighter. Uh, it's it's uh, uh, And you have to use it that way. If you try to, like, do a two-circle two fight with a MiG-19, you'll just lose energy and end up on, on the deck. But if you do that one circle fight and, and, and keep it, it, it's amazing. So you have to be, they're very, they're good at what they do, but they're very specialized. So you have to find a certain way. And that kind of what, 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 what uh, makes them great for me because it teaches you exact flying. And I'm all about that. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. Well, for me personally, because of work, it's the FA-18. Uh, it's nice to see what's accurate and what's not. Um, oh, right. Yeah, we never get to talk yeah. about that. We, we, you know, me, the mort- mere mortals, never get to actually see the other side of it. Yeah, it's it's great to fly what you work on. Uh, but also the MiG-15, mm. because of the family relations. Mm-hmm. Uh, MiG-21 and MI-8, those mm. are my go-tos, basically. Yeah. Proper, proper, I'm not allowed to say it anymore, but what I would call proper old-school manly planes. <laughs> Stick and rudder planes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry about my treachery on the F-16. That's <laughs> right. That, no, that, that's a good choice. That's that's a very good choice. I'm a big fan in DCS and in real life. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, very good. Um, is the F model coming with the ASP-4N gun sight and the, we've talked about this, but the SRC-3 radar? And if so, what benefits would the pilot have over the MiG-15 sight? Yeah, uh, yeah, we we touched up on it. This is basically the the gun ranging radar. So you actually have a a picker that uh, tracks, uh, or not tracks, but shows you where your rounds are going. So that that's a benefit to a pilot, uh, especially with low velocity rounds. Uh, um, if you fly it long enough, you'll figure it out anyway. But the um, uh, this will give, especially new pilots that are transferring into the airplane, uh, a better idea of where their rounds are going to go. Because if they're used to something that's faster. Uh, faster velocity, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, they're going to be surprised. You know, the, the airplane's going to be way ahead uh, and the rounds are going to be way behind the airplane. So mm-hmm. that's that's the advantage of, of having this. Um, and you can always turn it off if you want to uh, just use the static one. So. Roger. Probably what I'll end up doing. I always get confused with, the, with these fancy sites. Okay, guys. Uh, when can we expect to have the first view of the module in DCS? I'm guessing he's asking when will it be, you know, available in early access in DCS, uh, is there a plan, or is it just taking as long as it takes? Well, uh, the uh, I think there's an uh, um, um, kind of hard to say, just because you can never know what, what's going to happen. Now, I have to say this about the team: we are moving pretty fast. It's pretty aggressive. Uh, I mean, it, it took us like a month and a half to kind of get to this point, and we already have uh, basically an AI model module that we can fly. Uh, I'm currently working on the EFM, already starting to get that going. So um, I still wanted to say end of the year, but it, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think uh, the prediction for me, and don't hold me to this, please, anybody out there. Uh, it's just tentative. Um, I'm hoping at least the first quarter of 2022, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 12 to 14 months after we started it, uh, and we started in uh, sometime in March. So, uh, what? What? Uh, don't hold me to this. And what? What we are hoping is that after the first experience, then we can bring that down to maybe 
instead of 12 to 14 months, bring it down to maybe nine to 10 months per module, uh, which um, uh, uh, would be very nice. It, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time to get something out there. So mm -hmm. it's just there's a yeah that's a, that's the difference between a mod and a module from what you know i've had a bit of background sniffing around you make a mod you just literally got to make it you make the 3d model you make the sounds you make the flight model and you put it out there but for a module there's all the stuff that has to be done in the background the licensing and all this research and drawings that the valued viewers never even see all that all has to be done. It's, it's a massive pain in the butt, to be honest. <laughs> I think I'll just I'd rather make a mod and just not not sell it. But um, yeah, yeah, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm one of those guys that uh, uh, whether it's a mod or module, I don't care uh, as long as it flies right. Mm -hmm. The uh, I think A4 is a perfect example of uh, of of a great great mod. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it, it it flies like it's supposed to and it, Big part of it is because of Talo. Was uh, he's an A4 pilot, and we both worked with him on the flight dynamics side on the A4 side. So all the flight dynamics and how it flies is uh, basically Talo went in there and said, "Yeah, this is what it does. This is what it does." And uh, it, it was so hard for us to uh, have such a great uh, plane out there. And a big part of DCS will take a look at it and say, "Oh, it's just a mod." Mm. And, it, and it's not guys go get that thing trust me that thing is good mm. okay. well i i would say there's mods and then there's mod pluses so there's mods out there which most of them are not very good as i'm sure you would agree um and then there are the mod pluses which are you know essentially modules without the without the licensing so you got the a4 yeah. which is basically as good as any paid module out there i'm sure you'd agree um, yeah. You got the C one thirty. It's it's still really early, but you can already tell that's a, that's a major thing. You've got the MB three three nine, which is now becoming a paid module. So you know we could tell as soon as that came out, we knew that was good enough. And forgive me, there is another one, and I forgot what it is, but another one in that realm now of quality. T forty five, T forty five. I think they, yeah, um, of, of of really getting up there with everything modeled perfectly, and and you just know the amount of time that's gone in there. One thing that bugs me, I wish they would just, I wish they would sell it that A four. I wish they would. And I'm not saying you have to make eighty bucks a time. Just sell it for like fifteen dollars because we can't use it. It's in groups in multiplayer to get everyone to install a mod is is basically just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It causes problems. If they just sell the thing for five dollars, we can actually use it. Then it frustrates me. But anyway, that's just the way it is. There's a lot of other stuff. We were part of a testing team for six months, mm. uh, and and there's a lot of stuff in the background. There's a lot of reasons, and I agree with the guys that did the A4. They they keep it the way it is. Uh, they have their reasons, and, and uh, again, I I fully support those reasons. I agree with them. Uh, but it's just so sad to see something so good not be a part of it. I, yeah, yeah, you know, I know. It's, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's the way I think. And that's actually a big reason why we, when we came out with the MiG-17, we said, look, uh, if we make something, we're going to make it official just because yeah. we want everybody to enjoy it. Uh, that's it. Otherwise, otherwise, I can't use it. <laughs> a lot of people just can't use it. But anyway. Yeah. Okay, push on. Next question is asking if we get air-to-air -air missiles, are they going to be beam riders or are they going to be different? They're going to be IR guided. We're happy with that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the copy view as uh, as good. As, oh God. Uh, the copy view as good as in the fifteen. Is there a periscope that will be modelled in the jet? So he's saying, is the cockpit as good as the MiG fifteen? And is there a periscope? Sorry, I don't understand what the periscope is. 
uh, Periscope is that little, I believe that mirror that you look at, MiG-21 has it, and then you see behind you, because, uh -huh. uh, now, the, the, the 17 has the cockpit little bubble canopy, so technically you should be able to turn around and see, right. but if you look at that canopy, it just kind of fits the head, you can't, <laughs> you can't move your head very much, mm -hmm. so that, that is a very useful thing that they put in there, uh, an update from the MiG-15 MiG that pilots needed to see if somebody's behind them, so yeah, we will have the Periscope. Uh, and as far as the cockpit, um, all, look, I know there's me and, and Arno and Vincent here talking about uh, this, but uh, but our group. But there's some very good guys in our group and uh, great modelers. Uh, and the guy that's doing the texturing is so, uh, as good as I've seen. Uh, so I think uh, as long as we give them a, a solid cockpit model, this guy will texture it, and I think textures make all the difference. They if do. You kind of look they at, really if do. You, if, you, if you look at the some of the weapons that we have, uh, some of the missiles, uh, this guy did the texturing for that, uh, for the pylons. I mean, it, it, uh, it's just a basic, you know, uh, shape, and he puts all that stuff, makes it look like that. So I think I think that our cockpit will look really good uh, when he when this guy gets done with it. Uh, the guy modeling it doing a great job but also the guy that's, that's going to do the texturing i i have full confidence it really is an art form um because one thing i've i've noticed is that you can have the best 3d model in the world massive polygon count everything perfect but if you don't have a properly well textured it will look terrible and it's you know what i mean it's, it's it really is that texturing that makes a difference now how they do it i don't know it's 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 modern art as far as i'm aware um uh, to get that kind of thing but that's yeah. it man it's it's, it's an art form that's it's just amazing uh, mm. that's all i gotta say okay um right um we've got the next question is what will the engine spool time be like the mig 15 and as it more or less is a mig 15 engine i'm guessing it's going to be equally as bad yeah <laughs> it's 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 a it's a 15 second spool time now uh it's going to be a 15 second spool time from idle to military power which mm -hmm. is full power Mm -hmm. Now, once you go into the afterburner, afterburner is pretty quick because uh, afterburner, there's no RPM changes. Basically, all it is is dump fuel and just light it up, uh, you know, expand that, those gases so it gives you more push without increasing the RPM. And that's almost, I don't want to say instant, but there, it, 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 will, it should be there within a second or two. You'll, you will get that boost. But uh, unfortunately, getting to military power, same engine, uh, it's going to be a while. <laughs> You know. Roger. Okay, 15 seconds. Roger, guys, that's okay. We've literally just done a massive video on that, and we're arguing about that at the moment. But we're, let's not let's not hijack your uh, uh, thing with that. Okay. Um, next, I've already got the answer in front of me. But are you planning to introduce skins for the nations that operated the type historically? Oh boy, this is uh, we're going to have a lot of, <laughs> and I, I know there's uh, there's uh, guys that kind of look at it differently. They go uh, that going to increase the number of, of, uh, of how big the size is but uh, i'm hoping to have a lot of these uh, i um, i think i sent you a few samples of what we're going to have yep. basically if you look at the several african ones the uh, um, africa is kind of uh, unfortunately a little bit underrepresented uh, mm -hmm. so we're going to have nigerian hoping we have angola already uh, we've done that it's not these are not these are all work in progress mm -hmm. but uh, we're going to have Algeria, Egypt, 
at least. And then, of course, the Syria and Iraq, and then you get Pakistan, Indonesia, of course, the Soviets and, uh, and mm. Czechoslovakians and all that is, is going to be there. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to have a lot. And on top of that, uh, we're kind of looking beyond that. Uh, we're going to have different pilot textures. So um, kind of represent everybody a little bit. Uh, you're going to have, you know, the green-eyed guy, and then you're going to have, you know, a person from Africa. Oh, I see. But, and that's because this was used so all around the world, really, wasn't it, this aircraft? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, what we're um, what we're planning to do is actually, if uh, let's say we're flying a Nigerian airplane or an Angolan airplane with delivery, it's going to be a, 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 a texture from pilot from Africa. If it's uh, you know European, then they'll have the the green eyes, and if they're you know from uh, Pakistan and Indonesia uh, in that area, it'll be uh, the uh, the that area looking kind of guy and then you also have the asians uh the east asians that they'll be also represented too so we kind of uh, wanted everybody encompassed in this uh we want everybody to enjoy it and uh, i mean for god's sake we even got albania in there, so. <laughs> roger yeah. okay guys very yeah. good um next will oh so uh, someone said in the stream are you planning to to intro or show a Tail number three thousand and twenty as a livery. That doesn't mean anything to you. Does the tail number three? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what he's what talking you, about. Go on, man. And, you, and you're gonna love this one because this is uh, thirty twenty is uh, a Vietnamese airplane flown by Colonel Toon, and uh, or uh, basically this was the guy that was uh, had a, apparently a lot of uh, American kills in vietnam but history is a little bit muddled because uh, different pilots flew different planes so if this plane shot down an airplane it wasn't the pilot that got the the, the star it was actually the airplane that oh, got yeah. the star so it, it could have been flown by different pilots so nobody really knew or uh, every pilot that flew it but in the in, in its final flight this is um uh, it was may 10th 1972 um, Duke Cunningham and Randy oh. Driscoll in ah. the F4. Yeah. yeah, they 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 tangled with this guy and uh, they shot him down. Uh, it was a bit of a fluke how they shot him down, but they shot him down. And um, uh, oh. Randy thought he yeah. actually killed him, but uh, uh, apparently the guy I believe got out. And they, they in 2015 they may have actually met. Uh, really? In Vietnam. I, I I this could, could be wrong, but I believe that. Uh, the only guy that survived the fight with, uh, was shot down and survived the fight with uh, Randy Cunningham, met him uh, during his visit to Vietnam in 2018. So, yeah, 3020 will be there. And now, the, nobody kind of really knows exactly what it looked like. So we actually may have two versions of, of, uh, of, of 3020. We already have one. I believe you can show it. Uh, uh, I might have actually send it to you. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, that's one version, uh, work in progress. But there's, uh, I know exactly what they're talking about. This is, it's, it's a historical airplane. Right. So. Isn't that an interesting piece of history? Oh, I really yeah. love that. We've had, uh, we've, we've even spoken to, to Randy. We were offered an interview, but obviously there's, you know, obviously the negative side as well. So, we, you know, we haven't done anything. But it's just, you know, whether you get embroiled on that or not, what an interesting era of history that is, isn't there? 
uh, yeah, a little secret is uh, I gotta confess this. I actually tried to contact that pilot. That, uh, All right. I, I did. I never got anywhere with it. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, if I ever go to Vietnam in the near future, definitely look him up. So. Yeah. Wow. How about that? How about that? Okay. Yeah. Well done, guys. That's an interesting thing talked about. I, you know. Well done, I'm Wolf, for asking that. Okay, guys. Uh, let's push on. Will the 17 be followed by missions created towards the module? Um, Will there be missions supplied with the module? I think that's asking, or does it just come with the module? I don't do single player, so I don't know anything about these missions. But uh, yeah, we're obviously going to have some missions. I'm not good at creating, but I'm sure we can find somebody that can. Mm -hmm. can you definitely need some first training missions mm -hmm. and possibly uh, uh, other missions. So uh, other than training missions, yeah, definitely. But you know, uh, no missions are as good as uh, what you make or. Uh, in, I'm not saying you, but as an individual makes. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we will. Well, that's the short answer. Roger, I'm just, just reading that part of the module requirement is that you have the training missions and some combat missions, and that's fine. Anyway, anyway uh, let's push on. What's the most challenging aspect of obtaining performance data of such an old jet? Do you struggle to get this performance data? Um. So far, the most difficult thing is to distinguish between between the many modifications. Um, there's not only been the many different versions, but then those countries that use the MiG-17 made some uh, modifications themselves. And to distinguish between those is uh, pretty difficult. For example, you have four different air brakes on various mix 17s and just trying to get the data on the exact thing you want to incorporate into the module is uh, pretty challenging but we're getting there and like i stated before we have some great sources that uh, help us out with that and yeah module guys uh, what is there any rough idea why there were so many modifications of, over the versions air brakes and stuff like this was, is it different nation requirements or? Well, it also, you know, from early production models onto later, uh, late production modules, they fixed some issues that uh, they encountered during uh, early service. And then they uh, modified, for example, the speed brakes a few times. Also, it depends on the version which ones, uh, how big they are, that's the biggest uh, difference in them. So, yeah, that's about that. So, so yeah, basically, when we make it, we got to make sure we get the correct information for the F version. So that's, uh, yeah. And, and sifting through that uh, data is sometimes, because you, you do get sometimes conflicting information. Is it this or is it that? And, yeah. When was the, um, when in history, when was the F version... When did the F version start? In what year, if, if there is such a thing? It might be more complex than that. Um, I think it must be 1953 because it was pushed into service as the Korean War was still on, but it didn't, obviously, didn't saw service there. What you guys? So around that uh, time frame. I don't have an exact number right now. Okay, guys, um, we've got just a few more left. 
I hope you have selected a strong and distinctive sounds for the engine and cockpit. Uh, sorry, uh, for this cockpit engine airframe and noises under heavy G's and loads and the afterburner. Some modules are lacking big time in this area and we cannot enjoy it to the full. Uh, and this always gets picked up by the virtual pilots. Absolutely, some of the aircraft in uh, DCS just aren't there with the sounds. The wrong volumes, wrong mix, not enough sounds. MiG-19, C-101, too, too quiet, too babyish. Um, what's your? We've already talked to you guys about this, but anything to add about what we can expect in the MiG-17? Okay, sounds is... Uh, uh, there was a person that's going to do the sounds for us. Um, and he's done this before. So, and what he did in that um, uh, on the other module was just amazing. So, um, I, he, we will have all it will all because uh, because this is a a uh, with making this a module to be sold. Other uh, sounds have to be unique. We cannot take it from from anybody else. So every every sound will have to be basically uh, something we record or buy or um, uh, acquire in, in a legal manner that we can use. So, yeah, this guy will do the sounds, and uh, um, I have full confidence in him that, that he will uh, uh, do a great job, especially with, as I said before, sounds is so important in, 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 in a flight simulator because they kind of make up for the, for the lack of uh, motion that someone has. Um, they can fool the brain, so they, when they're in the right proportions, they're great when they're not it's like a bad soup or something you just you know mm -hmm. you can't tolerate it so the um the, the we, we are gonna the sounds we're gonna make sure the sounds are, are top notch in this one so. you guys i'm good i look forward to that uh how did you guys come across dcs and do you fly the sim yourself well uh for me i i think i said a little bit in the beginning i started flying uh Back in 1980s, uh, the Ace, like the, one of the first yep, <laughs> games that came out, uh, Flight Simulator 95. That's when I started flying back in 95. Yeah, so I've been a part of it forever. Um, very recently, I got into DCS, uh, and uh, I just love the you know, Flight Simulator is more of procedures training. I used it for, for my especially my instrument training back in the day. It's great for that kind of stuff, uh, and sometimes you fly an airliner, but. Uh, DCS is something else. It's combat. You know, it's it's a challenge, uh, and uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's great. And uh, I wouldn't be making uh, uh, this with a team if if I wasn't a big fan of DCS. I, I wouldn't bother. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've been a part of the flight simulator experience for uh, longer than I have been. A well, longer than I have not been. Mm. Yes, same for me. I mean, I think I started the first flights in my head, I think was FS2004 on my dad's laptop or something like that with keyboard flying. So really early. Uh, I think then FSX, obviously, and IL2 1946, like those old school titles. Uh, and I fly TCS since 2015, I think. Yeah, and ever since, love it, enjoy it, and uh, it's great to see how far the sim has come since 2015. Oh, yeah. It really has, guys. I, I go back. I started at the same time as you, Vincent, 
Um, and I was making videos from the start because, I don't know, I'm just weird. And I go back and every now and then just have a quick look at those videos. And you can't watch them because the graphics on this game are so terrible back then. Although you thought it was great, right? You thought yeah. it was amazing. And then you look now and it's like, wow. And it, because, you know, I'm doing this day in, day out, I don't actually notice the changes. Um, you know, you just you just don't notice it. They get popped in every now and then on a big patch up, and it's like, uh, but and you don't know notice until you go and watch five years ago. Well, how the big difference is, right? It's like, whoa, yeah. when did that happen? <laughs> it's, it's, um... uh, uh, trust me, bu- buying a thirty eighty RTX uh, computer with that it made a big difference from a right. laptop that I had. I mean, if you look at my video, I do have a, a quite a following on, on, on YouTube. For my channel, but uh, most of it is Microsoft Flight Simulator stuff. But uh, BCS, I don't have that big of a following. But I do have some some videos. If you look at those, they were all made on my laptop, and I just recently got the, the computer. So hopefully, I'll try to make some some good ones, smooth ones with. Uh, Roger. Uh, yeah. Right. I'm going to resist the urge to go into talk about Microsoft Flight Sim because we'll be here all day. So we're just going to carry on, guys. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, how long could it take to create a sophisticated module like this? And is it time dependent or uh, you are not aiming for concrete dates and it will be released when it will be released? We've kind of talked about that, but anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, that, that's it. I mean, initially you kind of uh, get into it and uh, especially being a part of it before, um, kind of have an idea and then you get into it and you start from the beginning and it's like, um, yeah, well, it's it's not going to be as short as we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the point is uh, we want to make something good and get it out, especially for the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully tentative next year, sometime early next year, first quarter. Roger, guys. I've, um, it's a funny thing. I'm just scanning through pictures and I've come across Phantoms versus MiG-17s in Vietnam War and thinking, oh, I'd really like to get that book now. And I just realized I've got it sitting behind me. So I'm going to have to go and reread it, guys. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I've got the final question here. Are air brakes deployed automatically if the jet reaches, well, I guess what you called overspeed, but near supersonic speed? That's uh, uh, that's uh, one of those conflicting questions that we're getting because we have a manual that says yes they deploy it like 0.93 um, and Arno's got uh, Vincent excuse me yeah so but uh, the oh, yeah, go ahead ah yeah okay the book or the manual says uh, they deploy well for obviously manually you can. Uh, deploy and retract them but also you have a f- safety feature that uh if the aircraft accelerates to mark 0.97 um they deploy automatically and they will retract um then back at mark 0.92 on the other hand we ha- one of our american pilots he says they don't so oh. uh this is one of those things where we have to uh, go into more, do more research because obviously we have to get it right. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, push comes to shove, we might uh, even do something like uh, uh, have a manual override of uh, not deploying because we know a seventeen will handle the mark. It's not, it's not an issue. Uh, mark one point zero three or whatever it is. So. Uh, again, that's just brainstorming, but we do want to get the actual data first. If we can. 
Roger guys. Well, that's the end of our official questions. Thank you for the viewers for the questions. They're always much better than I could ever think of dreaming up. So that's great. Um, so guys, I guess to kind of, kind of summarise, I'm really pumped for this. I'm not just saying that because I've got you on the line. This is this is my bread and butter. This is what if it was up to me, what you know, what I got to fly every day, and it's not unfortunately. But if it was, this is the kind of thing I would sit in. This Mig 15, 19 when it's finished, 21. That's I'd happily drive that around all day. But obviously that doesn't and pay the bills as it were um so um and for me as well and this is probably only a me problem other people don't care about this kind of thing but for me it's really important as well as having good modules out there which is very important it's good it's well it's a necessity that all the modules are excellent but as well as that for me it's important that the guys behind those modules are nice good guys approachable and that's clearly what you guys are you approached me and then as soon as i started talking to you i could tell that you know we could just sit in a pub and have a beer you know just nice guys decent guys for me and that for me if i'm going to hand my 80 dollars 50 dollars maybe in the case of you guys over it's important that you've got nice guys behind it um that's not unfortunately not always the case in dcs and it's just nice to have that and because of that i'm extra hopeful and i'm you know i'm going to do everything i can to support you and promote you and uh, cool. really look forward to this module which is uh which is good. Um, we've covered everything I could ever think of uh, asking and beyond. Anything you guys have got to say to the viewers or whatever uh, before we sign off? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I just for those uh, interested, you can check out our uh, Facebook page, uh, Red Star Simulations, where we post uh, biweekly updates on our project. So if you want to get the updates as soon as they come. Uh, Give us a like and follow. I'll link that. Yep. Yep. And uh, if uh, if you fly the MiG-17, uh, if you happen to fly it, uh, turn with it. And if you happen to fly against it, don't turn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I have. It's going to embarrass a few F-16 pilots at 250 knots. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, the, if that F-16 comes to under 420, they're dead. Yeah. Uh, absolutely guys well it was an absolute pleasure having you here like i said really nice guys easy to speak to and i hope to maybe near a completion or something maybe we'll speak to you again and um, i think that'll be great but for the time being thank you very much thanks for having us all right i'll thanks. see you see you later guys ta -ra.